everyone, this is Hunter Williams with the Awana Tennessee Network, and I've got a special episode for you today. I recently spoke at one of our churches in our region, uh, specifically my dad's church, and I got to talk about Awana's resilient discipleship philosophy, Belong, Believe, Become. Except I shared it in my own words, gave my own analogies, and showed how a bush in the desert is one of the best mental pictures you can have for making resilient child disciples. Now, I know that sounds odd, but hopefully by the end of this recording, it will all make sense. So without further ado, here's the message I spoke entitled, Resilient in the Desert. And I pray that it's an encouragement to you, and I hope you enjoy. The thing I love most about Awana is its mission. Its mission, if you had to boil it down to a couple words, is to make resilient disciples. And I know when I hear that mission, it excites me because we need that now more than ever. I don't know about y'all, but does anyone feel like COVID has felt like a desert? Anyone felt like that? You know, because in a desert, there's isolation, there's lack of things, and that's kind of what COVID has felt like. Isolation, lack of things we're used to. And so this has been a desert season of life for many people. Many people have felt dry during this time of COVID, dry mentally, dry emotionally, and even dry spiritually. And so when I was thinking about the season we're in and what I want to talk about this morning, I, I thought of that mission by Juan and said, yes, we need that. We need to be resilient disciples in the deserts of life. And that's what I want to talk about is how can we be resilient in the desert? Now, I can say resilient disciples, because that's, that's what I want to talk about, is how can we be resilient disciples in the desert? And you could say, oh, I think I know what that means, or I think I know where you're going with that. But I want to make sure we're all on the same page, because I don't want to talk about how to become a resilient disciple if you don't even know what that is. And so let's, let's break it down a little bit. So first word, resilient. I've got a definition on the screen for you. If you were to look in Webster's Dictionary, resilience is defined as the ability to recover or adjust easily to misfortune or change. The ability to recover or adjust easily to misfortune or change. So i got a question. How many of you have been to the West Coast? Like Arizona, California, okay, a handful. Now, if you've been there, you know it's dry over there. I remember I, I lived a summer in California, and I knew it was dry, but I just didn't realize how dry it was going to be. And to give you an idea of how dry California is, they have a desert over there, uh, the Mojave Desert. There's not much life there, not, not much going on. But if you ever did decide to vacation to the Mojave Desert for some reason, when you get over there, you would find that there are a lot of this one type of plant. And it's the creosote bush. And I think I have a picture of it for you. The creosote bush. And don't ask me to pronounce the Latin name for it. Forget that. But this bush is everywhere. And here's the amazing thing about the creosote bush. It is one of the longest living things in the world. They can live for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Which is amazing because the creosote bush lives in the desert. How is it living that long in such harsh conditions? Well, that piqued my interest. So I looked into this, and the way that the creosote bush is able to stand strong and live so long in these harsh conditions is because it's resilient. 
it has this ability to adapt to whatever it needs so it can keep on going. I'll give you a couple examples. In the rainy season, uh, when the rain starts coming down, the creosote bush will change its shape. This is crazy that a bush can do this. It will, it will make a cone shape so that it catches the rain and it funnels down to its stem and to its roots. Now, in the drier seasons, the creosote bush will change its shape again, and it will become almost like a dome surface so that it spreads its temperature out and the ground below it is kept cool. Isn't that amazing? When I learn about this bush, you know what I think? That's resilient. That's what we're called to be as Christians, to not only stand strong in our faith, but have this ability to adapt, to persevere, and keep moving on. So that's resilient. What does disciple mean? Now this is probably a word all of you are familiar with. A disciple simply means to follow Jesus. So that means if you're a Christian here this morning or watching online, if you are a believer here this morning, you are a disciple. You're a follower of Christ. So when you said yes to Jesus for salvation, you simultaneously say yes to following Jesus wherever He leads you. Listen to me this morning. Despite what pop culture would tell you, Jesus is more than just a golden ticket out of hell, and He's more than just fire insurance on the day of judgment. Jesus, as He told us, is the way, the truth, and the life. And if He's the way, the truth, and the life, you know what that means? I follow Him every day and in every way He tells me. Jesus is in to influence everything I think, everything I say, everything I do, and everything I dream. So when Awana says we have this call to make resilient disciples, our call is this. We want to make followers of Christ who will follow Jesus no matter what. That they can be resilient, that they won't wither under the harsh conditions of life, and they won't crumble under the weight of culture's influence. That's a great goal, amen? That's a good goal. But here's the, the, the million dollar question. How do you do that? How do you make this spiritual flexibility so that you can be stretched but not snap? How do you get this spiritual boldness where you can be bent but not break? How do you become a resilient disciple? How do you become resilient in the deserts of life? Well, it's found in three simple words. That's all I got for y'all this morning. Three words. You ready? Belong. Believe, become. Belong, believe, become. Say that with me. It's on the screen. Belong, believe, become. Good, good, good. Those are the three words I got for you. You might say that's nice, but how, how does that look? Let, let's flesh that out. So the first thing I want to look at is belong. Belong. And here's what I mean by belong. I mean Christian community. See, when I say we need belonging in order to keep moving in our Christian faith, we need to belong to a group of believers who will love us, care for us, push us, encourage us, teach us, all the above. But we also need to provide that type of belonging for other people. So, you know, I talked about this creosote bush I looked into in the desert, and it adapts in so many ways in order to thrive in the desert. 
And you know one of the main ways the creosote bush is able to stay resilient is it does this. It opens its branches up. This is another crazy thing. The creosote bush will open its branches up for other organisms to live in it. It cultivates community. It will allow these microorganisms to live in its branches, and in exchange, these little organisms for having a place to belong will give that bush nutrients. Nutrients it wouldn't get otherwise. In fact, these little organisms give this bush ten times the amount of nutrients it would normally get on its own. Why? Because the bush said, come on in. He opened up its arms. You know, in the same way, the Bible makes it very clear that you and I work better together. You and I, we cannot thrive in the Christian life on our own. There's no such thing as a renegade Christian or one that runs solo. No, 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 no. The Bible has said from the very beginning, it's not good for man to be alone. Amen. We need each other. We thrive better in the Christian life together. Amen. Now, I know i got two red flags going from some of y'all. From the introverts in the room, I heard you go, uh-uh. The introvert said, no, I'm shy. I don't do good around people. Hunter, what are you talking about? And here's the thing. I get it. I get it. It's easier for some people to cultivate community than others. But that still doesn't neglect the fact that God has called you to, for belonging and to cultivate community. Now, the other red flag I might have got is someone in here said, Hunter, now I've got Jesus and i got the Bible and that's all I need. Now, here's what I would say to the person who raises those questions. One, you might be a person who consistently reads the Bible, but that doesn't necessarily mean you consistently interpret the Bible correctly. See, one reason God gave us the body of Christ, other believers, is through the Holy Spirit, they can help us have right interpretation. They can help us read the Bible well and apply it correctly. Not only that, if you're someone in here who reads the Bible consistently, you don't have to read long to see that Jesus and God throughout says over and over, you need other people to thrive spiritually. It says it so many times, you would have to consciously avoid it. I'll give you a few examples here. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 9 through 12 says this, Two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Look at verse 12. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Let me tell you something. If you try to take on the harsh conditions of life on your own, and if you try to take on the crumbling effects of culture's influence, you're going to break. But let me tell you something. When you've got fellow brothers and sisters upholding you, supporting you, you know what the Bible says? You're not easily broken. We need each other. Look at what Proverbs 27, 17 says. It says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Powerful analogy. One man sharpens another. This idea that we sharpen each other. We, we, we help each other. We help each other grow. We support one another. We keep each other sharp in the faith. Now, what this makes very clear and what you see in the New Testament is the church is essential. The church is vital. 
So going to church is a big part of thriving in the deserts of life. Now, now listen to me. I'm not telling you to go to church just because. I'm telling you, you need to go to church because your resiliency in this life depends on it. You need the church. And the church needs you. Now, I know that church is very different right now because it's virtual, it's distant. You know, some churches still aren't meeting in person yet. It's all online. So I get it. Church is very different right now. But listen to me. You have to fight for it. You hear what I'm saying? You know, some, some people, they think, oh, well, I listen to a sermon online. I'm great. I'm going to say something that might, might throw some of y'all off, but listen to me. Church is more than just listening to a sermon. It's more than listening to it in person, and it's more than listening to a sermon online. You know what the church is? People. It's interaction. It's connection. It's relationship. And it's what the Bible calls accountability. See, when you read through Scripture and it talks about relationships we're to have in the church, you know what they say, what the Bible says? It's supposed to go deep. None of this shallow stuff. Relationships in the church are supposed to go deep. Let me give you a couple examples here. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says that we are to bear one another's burdens. Why? And so fulfill the law of Christ. In a similar way, James 5.16 says that we're to confess our sins one to another and pray for one another. And you didn't misread these passages. The Bible is saying that as fellow church members, as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, we are to bear one another's burdens. That means we share our doubts, our questions, our hang-ups, our concerns, but we also confess our sins to one another and pray for one another. Now you might hear that and go, uh-uh. I, I don't want to share that stuff. That's awkward. Why would I do that? What, what benefit is to that? Well, let me tell you something. Left to ourselves, we have burdens that we would cling to, sins that we would excuse, and doubts that we would hide. You see, when I was in high school, some of y'all may have heard my testimony in this, maybe not. When I was in high school, I started having doubts in my faith. Uh, going into college, I had some questions I was wrestling with, and I also had some sins that I was struggling with. But because I was the pastor's son, I didn't want those things to be known. I had to keep, you know, that perfect Christian boy persona going, so I didn't let anybody know. Well, when I got into college, man, those doubts... Those questions, those sins, they were weighing on me. Well, next door to me in my dorms at college, there were these guys who always had their door open and said, Hunter, anytime we want you to come in, hang out, you're welcome anytime. And I'd say, okay, that's great. And time went on. I finally took them up on that offer. And as I started getting to know these guys, I started opening up. I started sharing my burdens. I started confessing sin. We started praying together. And you know what happened as I shared those things? I grew. Some of the greatest moments of growth in my life as a Christian came in that dorm room. You know why? Because as I shared my burdens with these brothers in Christ, they helped me carry those burdens to Jesus. Now that's not to say everything went perfect the moment it all happened, but let me tell you two things that happened when I shared my burdens and confessed my sins with fellow brothers. One, I saw that Jesus was greater than my sin. 
And two, I saw that doubt isn't always the opposite of faith, but can be a doorway to deeper faith in Jesus. All because I accepted those open arms. So you and I, we've got to have belonging. We've got to have people that we say, these are my people. We need to have a group of believers that we can pray with, confess sin with, trust, grow with. But you know what we also need to do? We also need to open our arms and provide that belonging for other people. Because what we're saying through Scripture is that when we open our arms for belonging, you know what happens? We also open our hearts and allow God to change us and work in us to be resilient. So first, if we want to be resilient in the deserts of life, we got to belong. we got to have open arms. Number two, we got to have belief. Believe. And here is what I mean by believe. Specifically, I mean believing in the gospel of Jesus and the truth of God's word. So, so far I've told you the creosote bush, it changes in a lot of different ways in order to be resilient in the desert. We saw that it opens its branches up for other things to live. But you know what else it does? This was interesting. The creosote bush has a two-root system. It has a double-root system. So first, it has these shallow roots, so that when rain comes, those, those roots that are closer to the top of the surface, they can soak up that rain quickly. But it also has these really deep roots that grow deeper than most in the desert. And these deep roots come in handy during drought. When all that water's gone deep in the soil, those deep roots are there to collect that moisture and to keep growing. You see, our beliefs are very important. Our beliefs serve as our root system. Whatever you put your belief in, wherever you set your beliefs, set your roots in your soul, you know what that does? That changes everything about you. Your belief system affects everything about you. It affects your actions, your attitudes, what you trust in. It affects everything, your values, the directions of your desires. And if that's the case, I need to ask you a very important question. What do you believe? What do you believe? And I'm not saying, what do you say you believe? I'm asking you, what do you truly believe today? The reason I say that is you can say you believe something, but truly believe something else. How, how can you tell the difference? Well, again, what you believe will reveal itself in your actions, your values, your attitudes, and the directions of your desires. For example, if I were to say, I believe prayer is important, I can say I believe that, but I will prove what I truly believe about prayer and how I pray, how often I pray, and how I value prayer in my day-to-day -day life. So again, let me ask you, what do you truly believe? Do you truly believe in the gospel of Jesus? The good news of Jesus. I'm not saying, do you know the facts about Jesus? The facts about salvation? Do you truly trust it? Do you truly rely on it? Do you lean on it? Do you literally stake your life on the gospel? The good news story of Jesus is simply this. There's a perfect God and we're not Him. And this perfect God is the creator of everything you've seen. And because of that, He also holds the standard of all of life. And this perfect God 
We have sinned against Him. And sin is anything we think, say, or do that is in opposition to God. And because we're all sinners, we are all separated from God. And here's the bad news. You and I, we can't cross that gap to get enough good to outweigh our bad. We can't do enough good to clean our sins or to climb our way up to God. But you know what God did? And the great love with which God loved us, when we couldn't come to Him, He came to us. Jesus, God, became man. The Creator became creation. And you know what He did? He lived the perfect life we can't. He died the death we deserve. And He defeated death by rising on the third day. And Jesus says this, Anyone who trusts Me relies on my work and resurrection, completely accepts that and receives it, they too will be saved. Again, we can't do anything to save ourselves. It's a humble recognition and receiving of Christ's work. But here's the thing about the Christian life. The same way that we receive Jesus' salvation is the same way we need to go about our entire lives. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6-7 through seven tells us this. Colossians 2, 6-7 says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, and how did we receive Him? Remember, in complete humility, relying on Him. So walk, that means so live in Him. And catch verse 7, rooted and built up in Jesus and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Just as we rely on Jesus for salvation, we also need to rely on Jesus for everything in life. And how do we know what Jesus wants for us in everyday life? His guiding truth? It's found in the Word of God. God's Word is important. You see, COVID's been difficult during the season. Um, you know, there's just been a lot of things we can mourn about COVID. But I think there's been some good in COVID in what it reveals about us. I'm about to say something bold. Is that okay? Okay, you said yes, so I'm going to say it. Um, one thing I believe COVID has revealed about Christians in America is this, is that many of us are operating off shallow roots only. Here's why I say that. Because st statistics line up right with it. You know that the average high schooler goes to church 1.7 times a month? And I'm pretty sure that's close for adults too. But let's say y'all are the exception. Let's say everyone in here this morning goes to church 1.7 times a week. 1.7 hours a week. There's, a, there's around 170 hours in a week. So if you've got 1.7 hours that you're giving to God, being influenced by Him, accepting that biblical teaching, and almost 170 hours in the week on everything else, what do you think is going to have more influence in your life? What do you think your belief system, your root system is going to be in? See, a lot of Christians in the United States today, their whole spiritual nourishment they just go off Sunday morning sermons, worship songs here and there, and maybe a Bible class. And that's it. But again, those things compared to everything you do in a week, 
What's holding influence? What I'm saying this morning is we need more than just a couple of services or just some songs here and there to carry us in the deserts of life. Imagine if you only ate 1.7 times a month. You wouldn't do so well, would you? Consider how you eat physically and think about that spiritually. How are you nourishing those roots? We need to be building and putting in deep roots in God's truth. That means we need to be studying it, reading it, memorizing it, listening to it, discussing it, doing whatever it takes so that our roots are set there and it influences our life here. Because I'm telling you, culture is on a 24-7 cycle giving you media, news, influence, all these different things. So you need God's Word to cut through that noise and say, here is truth that can help you stand strong, that can help you be resilient. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 through 15 says this, No longer be children. Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, that is, into Jesus Christ. You know, you'll see two types of plants a lot of times in the desert. You'll see that creosote bush I talked about that's a rooted plant. But y'all ever seen those westerns and you got those tumble, tumbleweeds? And they're just rolling around? That's a plant too, but two things. One, it's a dead plant, and two, it's not rooted. And because that plant is not rooted in anything, guess what? It's taken to and fro by wherever the wind takes it. And the Bible says, nuh-uh. You don't need to be taken to and fro by whatever the cultural winds are taking you. You need to be rooted in Jesus so that no matter how harsh the conditions around you, or no matter how crumbling the effects of culture, you stand firm in Him in every way. So this morning, we need to have deep Roots. So, so far we've seen to be resilient in the deserts, you have to belong, you have to have open arms, and you have to believe, have deep roots. Finally, this morning, we see to be resilient in the desert, you have to become. We need to become. And when I, when I say that, what I mean is we need to become like Jesus in the everyday stuff of life and to help others do the same. We need to become like Jesus in the everyday stuff of life and help others do the same. So I've shared a lot of things this morning about the creosote bush, more than you probably were asking for. Got one more fact for you, because this one's the craziest one to me. The creosote bush does all these things to stay alive in the desert, but probably the most unique one of all is that the creosote bush, one of the main ways it stays resilient is that it clones itself. This ain't sci-fi, y'all. This ain't Star Wars. This is real life. The creosote bush, when it realizes, man, I'm going to struggle to keep on going, you know what it will do? It will die to itself so that it might live. Sounds like a paradox, doesn't it? What it does is the creosote bush will kill its inner stem, and when it falls down, the outer stem stays alive, takes root in the ground, and becomes a whole new bush. 
And it repeats that process over and over and over and over until half the Mojave Desert's full of them. Now, as I said in the beginning, to be a disciple means we follow Jesus no matter what. Jesus is more than just a golden ticket. He's more than just fire insurance. He's to be our greatest love and our way of life. But here's the thing. In order for us to grow in our love for Jesus and to grow in our likeness of Jesus, you know what has to happen? We have to die to ourselves. That may sound bold, but guess what? Jesus says this time and time again. Look at Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 24. And he, Jesus, said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily, meaning may he die to himself daily and follow me. Catch verse 24. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Just as the creosote bush lives by dying, so we persevere in this life by giving our lives up to Jesus. This is probably made the most clear in Galatians 2, verse 20. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, meaning the life I live on this earth, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I would underline that last line in that verse. Because Jesus gives us a high calling as believers. This high calling to die to self. But you know what? This high calling to die to self really isn't that radical or over the top when you consider what Jesus did for us. Jesus died for us when we didn't deserve it so that we would have life. And this life we have in Jesus is to be lived for Jesus. That's what it's all about. So what we see here as a Christian is you need more than Christian community. It's important. It's part of being resilient. But you also need more than Bible knowledge. Bible knowledge is important. It's essential. But listen to me. Community and knowledge that isn't lived out, what happens? It just stays in your head. It'd be like if I said, hey, I know how to swim. I've read a lot of books about swimming. I have friends who swim, but never once swam in a pool. I may not know how to swim, right? In the same way, yes, we can have Christian community. Yes, we can have Christian teaching. But the Bible calls us to put it into practice, specifically to take what we learn of Jesus and to become like Jesus. See, we need to specifically apply what we learn in the Bible to the here and now of life. Too often, uh, we as Christians can easily break up our Christian lives. We can say, oh, I live and show Jesus at church. I live and show Jesus at this Bible study. But then I live and show me the rest of the time at work and my hobbies and all these other things. The Bible says, no, you don't break up your life. Your whole life belongs to Jesus. So you live and show Jesus at church. You live and show Jesus at Bible class. But you also live and show Jesus at your job and your hobbies at home, at the grocery store, whatever you do. 
You're to become like Jesus every day and in every way. Before I was an Awana missionary, I actually worked as a manager at a trucking company. And that always came with some fun stories. There was one day I had a meeting I was not looking forward to with some drivers. These drivers had come in saying, you know, they hadn't been performing well, and they came in saying it was all my fault. And they were just chewing me out saying, you're the reason we're doing bad, you did this, 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 and this. And y'all, I was heated a little bit. I was like, no, 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 I can list a thousand reasons why it's your fault. And so we were going to have this meeting where we were going to politely discuss it. And so, um, you know, it was right after lunch. I go to lunch, and I'm just, like I said, I'm ready to tear into these guys. Just tell them all the reasons it's their fault. They were saying they wanted to quit, and I was like, that's fine. I don't care, you know. And so uh, I'm at lunch. I get done with lunch early. So I decide to read a little scripture before I go down because I'm just like, like I said, I'm fuming. Well, the scripture I read is this scripture I'm going to show you on the screen. It's Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, and it says this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus and the rest of Philippians 2 goes on to say, you need to be humble as Christ was humble when he died for you. So I'm reading this, and y'all, I'm getting convicted. I get done reading this, and I think, have I stopped long enough to really consider this issue from the driver's point of view? And the longer I sat there, and the longer I thought about it, I realized there were things I did not do right. There were things I could have done better for these drivers. So I head downstairs, we go in the meeting room, and right off the bat, these drivers are saying, man, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, we're ready to quit, I can't believe you did this. And you know what my response was? You're right. You're right, I didn't do what I should have done, I could have been better here, here, and here, it makes sense you want to quit, I promise, I'm going to try and do better, and this, and this, and this. And you know what their response was to that? <laughs> they were shocked, and needless to say, I was too. Because just 10 minutes before, I was ready to just lay it out and say, you're wrong, get out of here. But what happened? What was the change? God's Word, specifically this. I took this truth from God's Word and applied it specifically to that moment. And because I took God's truth and applied it to the everyday stuff of life, guess what happened? I became a little bit more like Jesus that day. Now, I'm not bragging on myself because guess what? Hunter was not ready to do that. But when you allow God's Word to direct you that way, it will guide your steps in ways you wouldn't have imagined. So we need to be like Jesus and become like Him in every way. And part of becoming like Jesus is continuing His mission. Did you know Jesus was sent here for a mission? And after Jesus left this world, He passed that mission on to us. Let me read you a couple passages. Jesus prays this in John 17, 18. He says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, so even I am sending you. Jesus is making it clear. He's sending us out to do something. And what is he sending us out to do? Make resilient disciples. You know, our purpose statement as Christians can be found in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Go therefore and what? 
Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Y'all, this is what we're to be about. We're to die to ourselves to live for Christ, and the life we live for Him is to be all about this. We're followers of Christ who make followers of Christ. And that image I get, you know, we're following Jesus, and when we're to make disciples, we take others by the hand and say, follow me as I follow Christ. The creosote bush, it dies to itself, but it dies to itself so that it can clone itself. In the same way, we need to be making clones. Now, I'm not saying making clones of you. There's only one you. But here's what I'm saying. You need people to imitate the Jesus that is in you. You need to reproduce the Jesus in you into other people. That's exactly what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1. He says, be imitators of me, clone me, copy me, as I am of Christ. Paul is saying, follow me as long as I follow Christ. Like I said, COVID has done a lot of things. It's been bad, it's been ugly. But I think, as I said, there are a couple of golden nuggets that if we look for them, we'll find during this season. I think another thing is this. I think that pandemic can reveal our priorities. Pandemic can reveal our priorities. When you're in, when you're in a desert-like season, you start to think, what really matters in this life, you know? What really matters? What's going to last? What really has the most value in this life? And it comes down to three things. If you were to bear down life's essentials into three things, it comes to belong, believe, become. Let me ask you, as we begin to close, do you belong to Jesus this morning? Do you have people that when you say to them, you can say, these are my people. And they're a group of believers that you can follow, that you can grow with? Do you provide that belonging for others? Let me ask you, what do you believe this morning? What are you relying on? What is your hope in? Do you know the facts of Jesus? Or are you truly trusting Him today? And lastly, what are you becoming like? As you look through your life, are you becoming more like Jesus? Or are you becoming more like the culture and things in this world? Last thing as I close, as I um, was trying, you know, as I was becoming an Awana missionary, I had to raise support. And I'm still raising support, but as I was in the bulk of raising support, I had a lot of hardship hit. And some of you know this. I had illness come up. We lost our house, or uh, lost my job. You know, just all kinds of things happened. And during that season, I got to see Belong, Believe, Become play out in my life. I saw believers and brothers and sisters come around me like I never would have imagined. I'm sure you've experienced that too. Belief. I had scripture popping up into my mind that I memorized when I was like 10 years old. When I was in Awana. You know, as I'm going through all this and I can't make sense of my life, you know what scripture was coming in my mind? Scripture like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 that says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Because those roots were there, it was coming. It was helping me be resilient. And, you know, I found myself, God was helping me become like Him through these hardships. He was changing the way I looked at suffering and the deserts of life. 
And, you know, during that time, too, I had songs coming to mind I haven't sung in a long time. Uh, when I was in high school, there was one song, I felt like I heard it all the time and almost got tired of it. But, you know, just a year ago, this song came back into my life in a way I never would have imagined. And it had just a whole new depth for me. And it's in Christ alone. I got the lyrics on the screen for you. You know, when I sing this song, it means something different now. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought. Are y'all in the desert today? And storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. Those deep roots. When fears are still, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all. Here in the love of Christ I stand. Is he your all in all this morning? Do you believe it? I pray that you will be resilient in the deserts of life. Again, I pray that was encouraging for you. If you have any comments or questions from anything that I said, feel free to send those to hunterw at awana.org. You can also send them to and get more information at www.awanatn.com. Now, if you'd like to support our ministry and keep messages and other content like this coming, you can do two things. One, you can subscribe to our YouTube or podcast channel, or you can also support us financially. You can head over to www.awanatn.com donate and become a monthly ministry partner. Well, that's all I've got for you. I'll see you again next time. God bless.